and welcome back to Facing Fears and Shifting Gears, a podcast about mental health and neurodiversity. My name is Leslie Reyes, and I'm the author of the Indie Brag award-winning Amazon bestseller, The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle. I've worked as a psychiatric and chemical dependency nurse in the past, and as I discussed in my last podcast, I am taking a break, possibly permanently from nursing, because I was just an extremely unhappy person doing it. So here I am talking to you, which I find way more enjoyable. So thank you so much for joining me. Today I want to talk about my fourth Zen motor. Today I want to talk about my fourth Zen principle of good motorcycle riding habits, which is if you break something, fix it. And I want to read a little quote to you here from the book Saltwater Buddha, A Surfer's Quest to Find Zen on the Sea. And the author's name is, I believe, Jamal Yogis, and I hope I'm saying that correctly, but it's a really good book. But lotuses grow from mud, and from brokenness, in my experience, beautiful things emerge. We are forced out of necessity to write a poem or song in tears. We're forced to go on retreat, into silence, and into the realization that this feeble body and brain can't do it all. So this whole idea of you, if you break something, so this whole idea of if you break something, fix it, it seems kind of obvious, but we really do live in a society that tends to just throw things away and buy new things. You break a vacuum cleaner, like who goes to the vacuum cleaner repair store anymore? Who goes to the TV repair store anymore? People just throw things away and get new ones. And they do that with relationships and people. Oh, you're a broken person. You're a toxic person. I'm just going to throw you away and find somebody new and better. But nothing is perfect and nobody is perfect. And so thinking about how much easier it is to fix broken things than it is to fix broken relationships. And yet, like, just the way our society is, we don't even take the time to fix broken things most of the time. So, I think the hardest thing about broken relationships is admitting and apologizing for times that you may have felt that you acted against your own ethics and your own value system in some way. You got emotional and you behaved in some way that didn't align with your own values and people often don't want to admit that, <laughs> that they're capable of doing that. I think everybody is and you know, a lot of times I found myself apologizing to people for things that they weren't even angry with me about but I felt like I had to some own sometimes things you know like no you know what this I didn't like the way I behaved towards you and they're like what I don't remember you behaving towards me that way but I almost feel like I had to sometimes I have to just own it um and that's just a way of I feel like maintaining healthy relationships not just with other people but with yourself because sometimes when we are apologizing to other people we're actually also apologizing to ourselves 
were taking ownership of, of, you know what, I wasn't nice to myself when I wasn't nice to you. Or when I felt like I wasn't being completely myself with you. You know, sometimes people are, they don't even notice it. But that's one way I feel like we can learn how to fix things that are broken, learn how to fix a relationship that is broken. Also, that's sort of like an addictive way to go through life. Like if something's just not perfect, you just abandon it and go on to the next thing, whether it's a person or it's like you're just kind of chasing the dragon in life. You're looking for an experience more than like partnerships or more than a career. You know, are you actually pursuing something grounded or are you pursuing a fix of some sort? Like if you want to be rich and famous, but you really are more interested in the fame of being on TikTok than creating a future for yourself. You know, that's to me kind of more like an addictive way of going through life. I don't know if you want to call it that. Um, But rather than, you know, say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start a TikTok channel, but then I have this. I'm not going in that direction. So in my fourth chapter, I say how I loved broken people so I could learn to love my broken self. You know, in a way of sort of saying like, I was expecting the world when I was younger to be, delete that. So this whole concept was really also inspired by my cousin whose father taught her how to ride a motorcycle when she was a little tiny kid. And, you know, when she fell off of it and broke it and she thought she was going to get in trouble, but instead he empowered her by teaching her how to fix something that was broken. So I'm gonna just read this little passage from my book. Um, Nowadays, when I think of my cousin Vivian crashing the motorcycle into the woods when she was barely out of grammar school, I realize my uncle could have acted in one of two ways. He could have reacted with fear or he could have reacted with encouragement. If If he had reacted in fear, he would have punished her grounded her and told her to never ride a motorcycle again. He may have instilled in her that the only way to be safe in life is not to make any mistakes and not to break anything and not to do anything at all. So I wonder if he had reacted in fear, if Vivian would be the successful doctor that she is today. But that's not what my uncle did. Instead, he taught Vivian that if you break something, you don't throw it away, you fix it. You learn if you don't know how. You brush yourself off when you make a mistake and you try again. If you are afraid, you push yourself through the fear until you're not afraid anymore. After all, you can't learn to be brave if you are never in a vulnerable position. If you've never been broken, how do you learn how to heal? There's an author named Julie Ann Walker And I just love this quote. She says, the light only truly shines through people who have been broken. And I know I've been broken before, so I'm shining pretty bright right now. Delete that. I also think this principle of if you break something, fix it, has to do with um, maybe giving up a little bit of perfectionism. 
because I think it's really common for people to lose faith in themselves if they make a big mistake in something. And I may or may not have mentioned this in another podcast, but I always think about when I was shopping for my first motorcycle, there would be like a ton of really nice motorcycles with like 50 miles on it with like one little scratch on one side of the bike or something, you know, just one little blemish or a like a, a bent kickstand or something like that. And right away I'd look at it and be like, yeah, they fell down and they didn't get back up. They broke something and they decided not to fix it, you know. Um, you, they just you just give up and that's why so many of these things they melt into each other because if you know like falling down getting back up breaking something fixing it it's just learning how to push through your ego so that you're not selling yourself short now you're not responsible for fixing other human beings though we are all responsible for fixing ourselves. However, you are responsible for taking responsibility for your actions if you believe those actions were harmful towards another person or they went against your own ethics and values, like I said earlier. Um, that is something you need to fix in a relationship is owning your own crap, even if the people in your life are, you know, aren't even thinking about it. I still feel like it's good for us to recognize and honor when we're like, ooh, I didn't like the way I behaved in that situation. You know, like that's, you don't need to carry that around. And sometimes just by letting it go, like I said, you're healing yourself, you're fixing yourself, you're apologizing to yourself. And if something that you did say hurt somebody, or made them feel a little broken. It, you have to take responsibility for that too. But you're not responsible for fixing other people's issues. We all kind of have chosen our paths. I honestly believe that there's part of us, there's a higher self that sort of knows what the path is and knows the things that we need to learn. And we choose these paths because these lessons are important to us but if you don't learn how to fix the things in your own life or take responsibility for things that you've done that could be damaging maybe they weren't but maybe you know that they were those are the things that we are responsible to fix So in my book, a lot of the breaking and the fixing has to do with codependent relationships and in the past feeling like I was, I was a victim, but I was honestly victimizing myself. Um, but this is actually a, one of the more lighthearted uh, entries in my book. And it's just sort of setting the stage for the codependency to come but I want to read it because it's everybody really loves this it's kind of like there's a lot of generation x um kind of nostalgia here 
So um, I was a broken Gen X girl. For some reason, I kept falling for guys with substance abuse issues, which was weird because I didn't do drugs myself. I didn't think of myself as an addict. After all, I'd grown up in the 1980s when all the kids were listening to Nancy Reagan telling us to just say no. I was never a compulsive consumer of alcohol, shopping, cocaine, food, drugs, or pills. Instead, I was addicted to romance. I was codependent as hell. Growing up Gen X, our baby boom, growing up Gen X, our baby boomer mothers assured us that the woman's our baby our baby boomer mothers assured us that the woman's movement was one. We were now free to do whatever we wanted to do in life. We could have a career, a husband, a house, and children if we wanted them. But there also seemed to be a formula for creating the perfect family life. The problem was, I didn't know if this formula was right for me. There always seemed to be a mixed message hidden in there. Yes, we were free to do whatever we wanted to do, but we also needed to be mindful of our biological clocks. We needed to have kids first. We'd We'd regret not having kids if we waited too long, so we were told. It was only after the husband and kids, then we could pursue our dreams. However, you can't just have kids with anyone. You didn't want your kids growing up in a single parent household. You didn't want your kids to have a shitty dad. So your husband had to be the right kind of guy. He had to have a job. He had to have a job, be smart and make plenty of dough. Whether or not you were compatible with said future husband never really came into the play. Whether or not you were compatible with said future husband never really came into play. What was important was that he checked off all the boxes so that we women could stay home and raise the kids. Because my generation, Gen X, had been latchkey kids, we didn't want to be the kind of parents that left their kids home alone. So it was really important to do all this first. After all this, and only when these conditions were met, then we could pursue our own dreams. Sadly, those of us who later found out we couldn't get pregnant never had our dreams addressed. Still, I didn't dream of what my wedding dress would look like when I was growing up. Instead, my dream was to find a husband who also dreamed of a life making music. I dreamed of what the dress I'd wear to the Grammys would look like. Instead of dreaming of walking down the aisle of a church on my father's arm, I dreamt of walking up on stage with my musical soulmate to accept our awards, like Pat Benatar and Neil Gerardo, like Debbie Harry and Chris Stein, like Gwen Stefani and Tony Canal, rather than having a flowing mermaid, rather than having a flowing mermaid-style wedding gown of satin and lace. I imagined myself in a tight purple bejeweled number I'd seen at a formal wear dress shop at the new rather than a flowing mermaid style wedding gown of satin and lace. I imagined myself in a tight purple bejeweled number I'd seen at a formal wear dress shop at the Garden State Plaza shopping mall in Paramus. Sorry, my tongue just got tied there. <laughs> Okay, so picture what a Vegas showgirl would wear on stage. That's what I was picturing myself, like almost like a, even like an ice skating dress. <laughs> That's what it looked like. So when it came for, to relationships at that time in my life, I just wish there was a book that would fall from the sky and land in my hands. 
This magical book would tell me who my soulmate was and exactly when I would meet him. And it would also include an instruction manual so that I wouldn't do anything wrong to scare my soulmate away. Courtship was confusing. My dad told me if a guy really liked me, he would find a way to get in touch with me. Our number was in the phone book, he reminded me. As a result, I wondered if a guy that I was dating, if he didn't call me like all the time, should I be mad about it? I mean, John Cusack holds up the radio outside of Ioni Sky's window in the movie Say Anything, and we all bought it. The epitome of romance. I thought that if a guy was interested in me, he would blast Peter Gabriel's in your eyes outside of my bedroom window and fight for my love. But in reality, this is stalking. John Cusack was not respecting Ion Sky's boundaries at all. I also received a message from somewhere that to win a guy's heart, I had to put up and shut up. Just be the cool girl. Make him think you can live without him. Play a bunch of games that will manipulate him into thinking you can't, he can't. Play a bunch of games so that he thinks he can't live without you. But this is like false advertisement. That's what my drummer would use. But this is all very toxic and counterproductive. Ultimately, it only leads to us ending up in a relationship with people who aren't right for us. In fact, in one of my ex-boyfriends used to call that false advertisement and he accused me of that. Because back before there was the term love bomb, that's what everyone was doing back in the day when we were courting each other. It was all about not being yourself <laughs> because you're trying to, to pursue this picture of the perfect house and the perfect husband with the perfect kids and it just doesn't really exist. So what does that have to do with if you break something, fix it? Well, we need to fix what our views of romance are <laughs> because that is not healthy. You know, th this stalking, like playing music outside the window, like Romeo and Juliet is stalking. And when it happens in real life, it is not romantic at all. So that's one thing that we can fix, you know. So the takeaways here should be that we as a society really should start moving away from treating everything that's disposable, whether it's using plastic whether it's using plastic spoons and knives only once and throwing them away, or whether it's running away from a relationship at the first sign of a blemish. You know, there are things that are deal breakers, but you don't know what those are until you do a little work and try to fix things. So anyway, I hope that this has been a helpful talk. It's been a little bit on the short side, it's kind of self-explanatory, but think about applying that not just to, you know, physical inanimate objects in your life. Think about friendships, relationships, jobs, careers. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody breaks things from time to time, but there are opportunities to learn and fix things which will bring us to the next show 
which is my Zen habit number five, which is if you don't, which is if you don't know something, learn. So we will talk about if you don't know something, learn and how that applies to motorcycles and how that applies to life. It's another one that's kind of self-explanatory, but I'll be reading some passages from my book at during the next podcast. So I hope that you will join me then. And it is Mental Health Mondays every first Monday of the month. And I hope that you will tune in. Again, my name is Leslie Reyes. I am the author of The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle, which you can find at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and just about anywhere books are sold online, including in an audiobook. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh-huh.